Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you got a Bible, I'm going to go to Matthew 16. If you watched last week, I love preaching out of the stories that Jesus asked. Last week I talked about, what do you want? You know, Jesus turned around and said, what do you want? This week I got another one. Uh, I'm going to do a little series here from the confession to resurrection. And uh, so if you jump in here, we're going to talk about how you move from confession to resurrection. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever. Whatever. Isn't that interesting? He starts out by saying, who do you say? And they answered him by saying, well, the Democrats say. The Republicans say. The Methodists say. I got your attention, though, didn't I? Yeah, you were. Uh, uh, what, what do the Episcopalians say? What does Meemaw say? What does the neighbor say? Can I tell you something? When Christ asks you a question, he doesn't care what others say. He doesn't care what other people are saying. He wants to know what you have to say. Every one of us will have to answer the question, who do you say Jesus of Nazareth is? Who do you say? that I am. This, this answer to this question begins a journey and triggers a set of events here that are phenomenal. Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter jumps up and says, thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. If you're reading Hebrew, it's the Messiah. If you're reading English, it's the anointed one. If you're reading Greek, it's the Christ. And, and Christ is not Jesus's last name. No matter how much Dale Morgan tried to tell me that, you ever worked with people that thought the last name of Jesus was, and they couldn't just say Jesus, they had to, you didn't get it. Christ is not his last name. Christ is the coronation of who he is. It's the revelation of who he is. Jesus is his earthly name. Christ is the heavenly revelation. My Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. Flesh and blood did not get this to you. You didn't get this by observation or analyzation. You didn't get this because you mentally ascended to the fact and could read the Torah in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. You didn't get this because you were educated. You got this because my Father who is a spirit revealed to you the identity of his Son. Can I tell you that Christianity is not the ascent onto and the discovery thereof. The Christianity begins with something that happens down in your heart and you encounter God on a level that you cannot deny. And even when you don't want to, you blurt out, I believe in Jesus. How many have ever been in those situations? You didn't want anybody there to know it, but you couldn't hide the fact that you believe in Christ. I've been in those most of my life. I would just assume those people didn't know I was a believer. But before long, someone turned around and go, oh, well, he's a preacher. I mean, I've had them walk up to me on my boat dock and go, well, why would you do that? 
Why would you do that? I mean, wouldn't you just sometimes rather keep it quiet that you believe in the supernatural? I mean, I'm a Pentecostal. I got to tell you, I, even my own peers don't like me. He's that guy that talks in tongues. He's a guy that believes in healing. You see, there's something about knowing that he is the Christ. It always puts you in the spotlight. When you know that he is the Christ, everybody's looking to you. Some of them may have been thinking it, but they didn't say it. Thou art the Christ. You do not get this by mental ascent. You don't get this by study. It happens because God reaches into your heart, and all of a sudden you know something that you didn't know moments ago. I love this revelation. Paul actually explains Peter. Peter needs a lot of explanation. And so the apostle Paul comes along and he makes statements to the Corinthians like, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what has entered into the hearts of man, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. In other words, the things of God are not made known through the intellectual interpretations of the hermeneutical description of the Torah laid down in Hebrew. Contrary to what my friend tried to tell me the other day, the Holy Spirit does not give multiple interpretations to the same scriptures. Contrary to what people think, God does not give different interpretations of who He is. There is one interpretation of who He is. He is Lord. And all of these different interpretations and these ideas are your taco talking, not God. And when people try to justify to me their different views of God, I want to come back and say, well, in the early church, heresy was depicted by division of interpretation. There are not multiple interpretations. There is one Holy Spirit, one God, and the reality is, is Jesus is the Christ. And you can know Him as Christ, but until you accept Him as Lord, the reality of His Christhood will not be made out in your life. Until you really to surrender to that reality and recognize that multiple opinions do not God make. Oh, you'll get it in a minute. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, but God has revealed him through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. This is a spiritual reality. You have to be spiritually formed, not intellectually informed. The problem that most of the church makes today is they have followed along with educational rationalism, and they think that the more information they get, the more like God they're going to be. No, this isn't about information. This is about transformation. That's right. God wants to transform you, and he will, not, he will transform you, not through your head, but through your heart. Right. Listen to me. The longest distance in the world is this 15 inches from here to here. And most of the time, God has to bypass your head and talk straight to your heart before your head has an opportunity to argue with them. I used to say, I think their bottoms are connected to their head. I'm not sure that was true, but that gets me political trouble now. But... But Paul comes along and explains Peter, and he said, look, it's a work of the Spirit. And when Paul comes along and begins to pray that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding, that the eyes of your understanding might be filled with spiritual wisdom, Paul comes along and says, listen, I can't teach this to you through educational means. Something has to strike the palate of your heart, and you begin to see in a different way. This is a spiritual experience when Peter begins to understand that Jesus is the Christ. I mean, it really is. If you remember the story about how the prophet and the servant are there and the servant comes running in and says, oh my God, look, we're surrounded by the enemy. Have you ever felt like you were surrounded by the enemy? 2020 kind of. Uh, didn't it feel like we were surrounded by the enemy? And, and, and he comes running into the prophet and the prophet says, oh yeah, there is a war out there. There's a, there, yeah, that's true. But, but if you could see a little further. And he goes, Father, open the servant's eyes that he might see that there are more for us than there are against us. 
Let me tell you, the world is filled with people that can speak the obvious. The world is filled with people that can observe the gathering of the enemy. But what the world really needs today are people that have a prophetic insight, not to foretell the future, but to see what's really going on here in the now. Because what's really going on in the now is no matter how much the enemy gathers against the body of Christ, God is working for our good, all things. That we need to have our eyes open that we can see what's really going on in this moment. Because what's really going on in this moment is God is setting up the enemy to be destroyed. Open our eyes, Father, that we can see that there are more for us than there are against us. And Paul comes along and says, Peter got a glimpse of the reality of who Jesus is. And Jesus responds to that and says, you're blessed. You're no longer Simon, shifty, shifty. But you're Peter, solid as a rock. Isn't it interesting that the minute you begin to realize and confess that Jesus is Lord, you begin to discover who you are. That the discovery of who you are is connected to your ability to see that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He said, blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood didn't do this, but you've tapped into that power of being able to see and hear in the spiritual realm. And because you have tapped into that, I'll change who you are. You'll become Peter, and I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I'll hand you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind... See, once you begin to confess that Jesus is the Christ, whatever else you say will be powerful. Once you recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, once you begin to see that, I can go to work to reveal all that I am in your life. Most people today are wanting me to teach more practical, applicable things, which really means just tell me how to get rich quick. Just tell me how to fix my marriage. Just make it real practical. Listen, there's enough practical information out there to fill 20 million libraries. I'm not trying to teach you practical information. I'm trying to get you to step over into the supernatural realm of God so that you can connect and interact with the Spirit of God. And it has nothing to do with your emotions or your feelings. Nothing. I was raised with a bunch of emotional Pentecostals. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with something that triggers in my heart. And I go, whoa, I see, I hear, I understand. All of a sudden, when he began to say, thou art the Christ, Jesus says, you are blessed because you have recognized that there is something called the Messiah, the anointed one. Say anointed one. To anoint means I pour oil over. If I want to make a king, I go get Samuel and he pours oil over David. And all of a sudden, David's no longer a shepherd. Now he's fit to be king. If I want to anoint means to consecrate, to set apart, to take that which is common, but now it's used for uncommon realities. So if I want to anoint a new prophet, I take oil and I break it over Elisha, and now you're different and you're anointed. To anoint in the scripture means to set apart, to make different, to make uncommon. So if I want to do a king, if I want, there's an anointing. For the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. God, the Spirit, anointed Jesus. And he goes, if you begin to recognize that the anointing is all you need in your life, I can do all kinds of things. Blessed are you, for you've recognized there is an anointing. Listen, you can take that shepherd boy with an anointing, and he can kill Goliath. Without the anointing, he's just a shepherd boy. You, 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 you can take Gideon, who is scared to death, and give him an anointing, and now he can take 300 men and destroy the armies. You see, with the anointing, you can walk on water. With the anointing, you can raise the dead. Listen, the church today needs a demonstration of the anointing. The church needs to recognize that she has been anointed, that she's been set apart. 
She's been set apart not because she's intellectually superior, but because she is recognized through the grace of God that God wants to share his anointing with you. Oh, you're not hearing me. Help me, Jesus. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 says, For the, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. For years, I, I, I would take Devin and put him under my arm and I would drag him around the sanctuary. Because I was trying to simulate to you that yoke doesn't mean egg. Yeah, you're, you're, all you think about is eggs. No, yo, my granddad was orphaned at the age of 13, and all he inherited were two oxen from my great-granddad. From Granddad Samuel in Searcy County, Arkansas, my granddad Marion, his inheritance was two oxen in Searcy County, Arkansas. And at 13, my granddad tells the story about how he took those two oxen with a yoke on them, and they were pulling trees out of a riverbed down there so they could plant a pasture so they could eat in Searcy County, Arkansas. And he would talk about how that team would pull together and how he controlled those 3,000-pound animals with a yoke. Did you know the enemy wants to put you in a yoke? enemy wants to limit you and put you in a yoke, and he'll use whatever he can to limit you. He'll use your past. He'll use the addictions of the present. He'll use the approval of others, and he'll put you in a yoke, and he'll keep you limited, and he can make you do whatever he wants you to do. But Isaiah chapter 10, verse 37 says, the anointing destroys, removes, obliterates the yoke. Man, I need another kid to show. <laughs> Where's Devin when I want him? I mean... Come here, Luke. You'll work just fine. See, unless it's visual, people can't get it. Now, now you've got to bend down, and you've got to bend way over, and you've got to let me. That is a yoke. And as long as I keep him like that, I can make him go anywhere I want to go, right? That's what the devil does. And a lot of times you'll have people, and they'll get free for a moment, and they're like this, right? That. But then all you've got to do is go, hey, 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 hey. And that's what he's doing to a lot of you. You'll get free. You'll come to church. You'll get free this morning. You'll get about halfway away, and you'll get almost halfway home. You can try again. And, and you'll get about halfway home, and, and, and the devil will go, come back, come back, come back. And you'll get right back in there. Thank you, son. But the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, that the anointing come and destroys. In other words, the yoke no longer exists. And God anointed Jesus. And Jesus came around, anointed, Acts chapter 10, going around doing good and healing all. Thou art the Christ. You're the one that can eliminate everything that has limited my life. You're the Messiah that comes to destroy every burden, every mountain that opposes me. Every disease, every, you, you're the God that's come to set humanity free of every limitation, every yoke, every bondage, every sin, every guilt. Thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, well, now we can go to work. Because once you begin to recognize that there is a Messiah, an anointing that will remove the limitations that have kept you from being fully human, kept you from being everything God intended you to be. God did not create humanity to be lower than God. He created humanity to represent, reveal, and be like him. The enemy comes along and takes humanity and puts him and her in these jokes. Why? Because contained within inside of you is a power that's unlike anything else there was or ever will be. Thou art the anointed one. 
the Christ, the one that removes limitations, breaks burdens, moves mountains. Listen, that's not better teaching. That's not even a better politic. That's the power of the living God revealed through the life of a human being, all because God loves you. Not because you've earned it or deserve it. Not because you've lived up to it. Listen, you take and put an anointing on Elijah, on Elijah and he can call down fire. You take and put an anointing on David and he'll kill a Goliath. You take and put an anointing on Samson, he'll take the jawbone of a donkey and he'll kill a thousand Philistines. You take a human being under the anointing of God and she'll conceive the child of God. You take an anointing and you place it upon Peter and he'll walk on water. We need to be consecrated, set apart, anointed by, filled with and controlled by the very anointing of the Christ. We don't need smarter people. We need more anointed people. And the church needs to cry out for that anointing. To have a hunger for that anointing. To recognize that the confession of the Christ triggered something. If you keep reading there, once he said, blessed are you, and this is going to happen. Then it says immediately from that time forward, Jesus began to tell them, I have to go to Jerusalem. I have to go to a cross. I have to die. I have to be crucified. And Peter, the one that moments ago had that revelation, his brain kicks in. And he goes, no, 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 no. A Messiah, the Christ, certainly he can't die, right? Because we have to win. We have to win. We, we have, we're going to kick Rome out. We're going to set up another denomination and have it better. We're going to be successful. And Jesus turns around to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Your ideas of what the anointing is going to do ran through a world system is not correct. Because the Christ comes to reveal his love. The Christ comes to give his life away. The Christ comes to hang on a cross and say, Father, forgive them what they're doing. The Christ does not come defending his rights. The Christ comes giving up his rights. We're living in a world now that's all about my rights. Christ comes and surrenders his right and reveals his love. Are you listening to me? We are not of this world. We are not here fighting for our rights. We're here to surrender our rights that the world might know that God dies for those who don't deserve it, that his love is greater. Lent is a time to repent and reflect because we get caught up in the conversations of the world and we forget that we're following a Christ who is all-powerful and yet will give his life to save from this world. That's the gospel. That's not the gospel run through some sort of mental, that's the purity of this reality. I've come to die, Peter. And then he goes further. And if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. You're right, baby. Whatever you want to do. People ask me all the time, how do you stay married 45 years, 43 years? You're right, baby. I'm serious. I am extremely serious. If Annie and I hadn't learned how to surrender our rights to one another, we would not be here. But there's times when she had a grace to say, whatever you think, when. 
There's had times when I've had the grace to say, whatever you think, Ann. It's the learning of surrendering one's, denying oneself. You think that's in the Bible for nothing? No, if anyone wants to follow me, they will learn how to surrender themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. This is the gospel. It's not enough to be able to confess that thou art the Christ. One has to learn to follow the Christ. Paul helps us again. He writes to the Galatians and he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Wow. Thou art there. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ, the anointed one, that now lives within me. Here is the gospel. Thou art the Christ. I've been crucified. It's no longer I, but it's the anointed one that now lives on the inside of me. The longer you argue about your rights, the further you move from the anointing of God. If we want the power and the miracles and the resurrection of the Christ, there has to be this willingness to be crucified to what I think and to live to his will. Oh. Help me, Jesus. Say it with me. I have been crucified with Christ. Do you know the only person that can say that is someone who's resurrected? You're, you're missing the shout here. Paul says, I've been crucified, but he's alive. He lived through the crucifixion. Christ rose from the dead. In order to say, I've been crucified, you have to also assume that then I've been resurrected. So, some people just focus on, I have to die to my rights, and they miss the fact that I'm on the other side of it, and this is greater than me arguing about my rights. I can surrender my rights because I know there's a resurrection on the other. Oh, come on. Some of you are still stuck over here. What do you mean i got to give up my right? Well, on the other side of your right is eternal life. On the other side of your right is this eternal stuff that's more powerful. Go ahead and die. This is the gospel that my generation must hear right now. This is the gospel that needs to be prophetically spoken from the heart of America, that I die to myself and I live for God. And that once I recognize thou art the Christ, he instantly started saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to die to yourself. Wow! This is not one, two, three, let me bring a bed up here and tell you how to save your marriage. This is, this is not popular American teaching today, but it is the gospel. It is the gospel that will release the power of God to set you free from the limitations of the enemy. It will. I've lived by it my entire life. The anointing destroys the yoke. It's crazy. It still works. That if I would die to myself and not live for me, that I can move from the confession to the crucifixion and through the crucifixion to the resurrection of the Christ and live in that resurrected life. Romans 6, 3, and 4 says, or do you not know that many of us were baptized into Christ? When you go into water baptism, you go into the anointed one. 
You go into him and you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried through, with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so now, say now, I get to walk in a newness of life. Now, look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. I died to me and I'm living for him and now this is the power of God. Anybody in this room? But see, people want to bypass the cross. There is no power without the cross. There is no power to the gospel of Christ anywhere in the world without the death of self. Pastor, I just don't understand why we don't see the miracles of God in America. I can tell you why. We're the most selfish bunch of people I've ever met in my life. Live in it. Own it. Me, myself, and I. What do I think? My rights. We just lived through another season of it. I am sick of it. And I love you. And I want the power of God to work in your life. This season as we move through lit into the cross, go ahead and surrender and die to yourself because the power of God is on the other side of it. And it will bring miracles and signs and wonders in every area of your life. Trust me, just die. Doesn't preach well. I'll never get invited on TBN. They're never going to bring me onto the Dallas network of get quick, rich, fast, whatever. No. Because it's taken me 40 years to die. This process. Because about the time I think I've got Quentin under control, he, he shows up. <laughs> He's back in my head going, ah, ah, what do you mean? We don't let her talk to you like that? <laughs> How many want to see the anointing? Uh, don't you want to see the anointing of God break out? Uh, listen, don't, don't you? Listen, some friends of mine were in church this morning, first service, and he has a daughter that nine weeks ago, she ended up, Melissa, I think I've talked about Melissa in service, nine weeks ago, they, they thought she was just, she was more than dead. Three old children, she's 37, 38. She's back at work today. Do, do, do you understand that's a miracle? Do you understand that in the middle of all the junk that was going on in the news, I could care less. All I cared about was Melissa. Do you understand that when I look back and see the back row back here, but all I care about is that young lady sitting back there? Wouldn't you love to see the anointing of God be so strong that if someone just walked into our presence, that they couldn't even say somebody prayed for them. They just walked into our presence and, and, and the power of God just, that's what I want. I want to see a demonstration of the power of God. I don't care about getting on your soapbox. I want to see the demonstration of the power of God in America. I want to see the demonstration of the power of God in your life. I want to see the demonstration of the resurrection life of God happening. So so I've decided not to engage or get entangled with the things of this world. Because I'm I'm making any sense. Thou art the Christ. I'm going to follow that. And I'm going to see that anointing and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, right? He went around doing good. You do understand the anointing didn't leave. Oh, let me do another picture. How many of you know the story of Elijah, the great prophet that went around with a mantle and every time he used the mantle, great things happened, right? And that when, when he went to heaven, he didn't even die. When he went to heaven, he dropped that and, and who caught it? Elijah. And he had a double portion. 
right? How many know that when Christ, the anointed one, went to heaven, that he dropped? He sent the Holy Spirit. And that you can receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, and that double portion of anointing, the same things that Christ did, the church in 2020 can be doing. And just because we've been stupid for 2,000 years doesn't mean we have to stay stupid. Just because we've been caught up in religious stuff for 2,000 years doesn't mean I have to stay that way. I can rise above what some say and rise into what God says, and I can have... Anybody here hungry for that? Just like see people drive by and drive up over in the park, uh, out in the pasture over there. I've seen this in a dream. And my dreams have to come true. I, I've seen it where I, I walked out of the church and there were all these cars sitting over there in the field. And the police were there trying to figure out what's going on. And I walked over and they said, well, all these people passed out. And I said, no, they didn't. They got slain in the spirit. They just happened to be driving. <laughs> they were on their donkey. And they were headed to Damascus. And God showed up. And he just drove them off over in the pasture. And they're just sitting there. And if you let me pray for them, their eyes will be open. And then, oh, Jesus. And you're looking at me going, you are a nut. Yeah, but I'm having fun. Because I believe there's more to the church than what we previously experienced. I believe there's more to this Christian walk than what we previously known. And I realize that having come before me have been quacks. I get it. Some of you are going, yeah, but I've been around them Pentecostal quacks. Okay, but listen, I don't care whether you pray for them in the parking lot or I pray for them in the parking lot or they just happen to drive through a veil. I don't care. I just want them to know the Christ. Yeah, but you know what they were doing last night? I don't care. I don't, in fact, they may be doing the same thing tonight. I don't know. It may take years for this to work through their life, but they have to encounter God. I got four claps and I pay him. you want to see the anointing? That burden-breaking, mountain-moving, yoke-destroying power and presence. How many want to see that? To them, God willed to make known that we are the riches of the mystery of Christ, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Listen, the anointing is not just going to drop like fire. That happened once. But how many know that Jesus is the Christ? Then Christ is in you. The anointing is in you. The anointing's in us. The anointing's in every one of us. The ability to see yokes destroyed, mountains moved, and bodies raised is in every one of us. But we have been so lied to by religion. We've been so formed by the culture that we have trouble recognizing. Don't pay attention to him. Pay attention to me. (laughs) Are you listening to me? There's so many distractions. Oh, could I preach? (sighs) Tell you with me, Christ punch your neighbor in you. Do you know my hope of knowing the Christ is in Kent? My hope in knowing the power of God is to believe that that same power because listen, I don't contain some kind of market to it. 
And I have to believe that the Christ is in the least person if I'm ever going to receive any of it myself. The person that least deserves it in this room, I believe you have more power in your life. Wow. What that really means is we have to begin to look at one another slightly differently. We have to begin to see each other as Christians. We have to begin to see one another as the vessels and the carriers of the anointing. And how can I help you nurture that? What if, what if this place just became nothing more than people that nurtured the anointing in the lives of each other? How, how, can you feel it? Can you see it? Paul does such a great job. He said, I labor in prayer for you again that Christ would be formed in you. Thou art the Christ. Great confession. But the real thing is the formation. It's the reformation. It's being formed in the image and the likeness of the Christ. So that when I move out into the world, I'm not trying to impress people with my information. I simply hope that you see that in your pastor over the past 35, 40 years, he's changed me some. And that when, when we walk into people's lives, they go, oh, you're, you're not the same man. What's different with you? Well, he's reforming me. He formed me once out of dust, and now he's forming me out of ashes. I was crucified with him. And he took the ashes of my crucifixion. And he's reforming me in his likeness and in his image. I only have one goal in my life. And that's to be found in him. To be found as one who's being formed and fashioned in the image of him. Am I making any sense? This is why Paul writes to the Philippians and said, I have not yet apprehended. I haven't yet arrived. But one thing I do, I forget what happened yesterday what I thought I knew yesterday. I forget that and I, I reach forward. I press on. I, 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 I want more. I want more. Uh, what, what, whatever has been in my life, whatever God's done in my life, I, I, I have this idea that there's more, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. <sighs> For it's no longer I that's living, but I want to know the one that's shaping and forming me molding me are you don't you, don't you just love Paul Paul goes I can do nothing of myself but then he writes the Philippians and says, but I can do all things through the Christ the anointed one the Messiah who strengthens there's a difference between thou art the Christ and I've been crucified there's a difference between thou art the Christ and it's no longer I that live, but Christ who's forming and shaping me so that when I walk through the world 2020, 2021, 2100, when, when, when I walk through the world, they look, oh, well, that must be what Christ looked like. Christ who didn't judge others. Can I tell you, I'm embarrassed by the church of today. Because they judge people, put them over there and say, we're not like that. And if you do that, Christ walked into that. His best friends were sinners. He walked in. The, can't, you and I have to be able to walk into a world 
that we know is wrong, but we love them anyway. That's the church. That we walk amongst a world that's filled with sin. You have no argument with me. There's a lot of it out there. You have no argument with me. I just know that I'm called to follow the Christ into the world and be like him. Forgive sinners, heal the sick, raise, I'm waiting for that one. Raise the dead. (laughs) Father, forgive them, give up my own rights. Father, forgive them, I'll surrender my right for a greater cause. Can you feel that? That is the anointing. That is when you will see the sick and the blind and the lame. But this foundational reality that I have to die and be crucified. Well, how long do I have to do that? Well, I've been working at it about 40 years. <laughs> Paul gets up and says, I die daily. I have to get up and face that old man every day. He's getting older by the day. <laughs> he gets more set in his ways. But I have to get up and face him and go, no, no, not, not your will. Am I? We're headed towards Easter, and we have it on good report that Christ will be here. <laughs> Didn't get it. Uh, Jesus has left Durham. <laughs> is moving back to Kansas so we can do the Easter play. <laughs> Tell me you haven't got a clue. Show up. <laughs> Why Lent? Because 40, Tesserocosti, 40. It's not really a period of time so much as is a willingness to move into that place where you can face yourself. Moses had to move into Tesserocosti. Jesus had to move into the wilderness. We have to be willing to go inside ourselves and find those areas of our lives where we're not crucified or we're fighting for our own way. And we have to openly and honestly in the middle of that place, thou art the Christ. And the life I now live, I live by faith in him who loved me. Gave this is real Christianity. This is real Christianity to face myself, die to me so that Christ can live, so that the power of God can touch my grandchildren when need be, so I can pray, and so I can really, and I have to tell you, the older your old pastor is becoming, all that matters to me is the ability to pray for Jim. All that matters to me is my ability to pray for Robbie. I would rather be wronged and about everything else in the world but to know that I could come to the presence of God. Am I making any sense to you? 40 days and we're going to be celebrating the resurrection. Spend the time being honest with yourself. Can I tell you? Six weeks can change your life. First time I ever said it to people sitting in the sanctuary was I said, you give me six weeks and then you make a decision. I'm telling you, you give me six weeks and you open and honestly walk into the presence of God and say, I'm here to die. 
I'm here to surrender. That's more than walking down here. That's getting up every day and coming in the presence of God and saying, okay, not my will, but if you do that from now to Easter, can I tell you, you will be a new person. You'll be a new person. This is not pastor preaching some motivational sermon. This is me offering you the gospel. This morning, you can confess with Peter, thou art the Christ. And you can surrender and follow him to the cross. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.